Well, today we're going to continue with a series that we're starting last week called, Isn't It Time? out of the Old Testament book of Haggai. Let me just say this. If you miss part one, it's all right. Just hang in here with us. Get part two today. You can go back later and look at part one. You can go back and watch that service on demand, and I hope you'll do that. But if you're like, hey, I didn't see it. Should I? Yeah, you'll be able to connect with us today. Isn't it time? Last week in part one, we talked about, isn't it time to get to work? That was God's message through the Old Testament prophet, minor prophet, a guy by the name of Haggai. Now, I'm going to make it easy for you today because you're like, I want to follow along in my Bible, and a lot of you do that, or you've got your Bible loaded onto your tablet. Well, you can, you can do that. It's easier if you do it electronically, probably, because some of you, it may be a while since you found Haggai in, in the Bible. It's there. It's there toward the end of the Old Testament. And you can follow along in your Bible or your tablet, and the scriptures we'll be talking about today. Obviously, I'm going to put up here on the screen. Well, not me, but the tech guys who do a great job, and we appreciate them so very much because we can't do this unless they're doing that. And right now, I am speaking to a lot of empty seats, but there's a few people that are in the room, and that is those who are helping with sound and lighting. We appreciate those guys a whole lot. Today we're going to talk about uh, it's time to end discouragement. And, uh, you know, I believe that if you're discouraged that God has a word for you today. And I can say that confidently because, you know, this is, this is not about me saying something to you. Uh, this is about, I believe, God using his word uh, to encourage your heart today. So let's go back. I want to just quickly review. It all starts in, actually not in Haggai, but actually further back than that. With Solomon, uh, the son of King David. And King David, again, this is a quick review. If you were with us in part one, you're going to remember this. But in, uh, in Solomon's day, Solomon, the son of King David, King David actually wanted to build this great place of worship for God. This great house of worship where people could collect uh, together, gather together and worship God and glorify God. But David was not permitted to do so by God. But then God said to David, here's what I'm going to allow to happen. I'm going to allow your son, Solomon, to build me a great place of worship. And that actually happens. And you can read about that further back in the Old Testament. And that does happen. And it is an unbelievable place of worship. The temple is Solomon's temple. It is a draw a jaw-dropping uh, building, construction project, and people would literally come from all over the world to just see the beauty uh, and the glory of this temple and to worship God there. And it was something to behold, to say the least. Well, that's Solomon's day. Well, then a tragic thing happens. After the death of Solomon, the people in Judah, many of them uh, left their covenant relationship with God, unfortunately, and they began to worship idols. Instead of their heart being devoted to God, you know, the Scripture says this, that you and I are to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus added that in the New Testament. He said, and love your neighbors yourself. But they were not loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. In fact, they began to go after other gods, and their heart drifted. Their heart drifted. And as I mentioned last week, is their heart drifted from God, God's heart was broken. God wanted to get their attention, and so he allowed uh, this invading army, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylon army, uh, to come in. And what they did is they, they actually devastated the city. Uh, businesses, schools, their homes, and then the temple itself, this uh, unbelievable place of worship, was left 
uh, as smoldering ruins. What happens is the people are taken into captivity, and for decades they are in captivity, away from their home, away from their land, away from everything that was familiar to them. And that happened for decades. Well, then uh, later, uh, around 538 B.C., the people are allowed, about 50,000 of them are able to return to Judah, and they have it in their heart to rebuild this great temple that's been left demolished. It's in their heart. It's what they've been thinking about. You know, they're going to rebuild their city if they're ever permitted to go back there, and they're going to rebuild the temple, and they're excited about doing that. And so when they go back, they start this restoration and rebuilding uh, plan on the temple that had been demolished, and uh, they get into that a little bit. There's some outside pressure, external pressure, and they stop. They just stop, and for 14 long years, there is no noise, nothing happening at the construction site, the rebuilding of the temple, because they get discouraged. They faced opposition. It wasn't as easy as they thought it was going to be, and they just stopped. As a result of that, God, who always has a plan, he sends to them one of his prophets, Haggai, and Haggai is going to speak to them, and he's going to get their attention. And as we talked about last week, isn't it time, God was saying through Haggai, isn't it time to get to work? Now, today, what we're going to talk about in the second of three messages, isn't it time to end discouragement? And I believe that if you're discouraged with whatever it is that has you discouraged these days, I believe that God is going to use this time together to bring you some hope and some encouragement. Well, let's go uh, back to Haggai. Follow me here. And I want us to go back to Haggai chapter one. We'll jump over to chapter two in just a few moments. Haggai chapter 1. We're going to read through two verses. Are you ready? Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, the Lord's prophet, gave this message of the Lord to the people. And this is very encouraging. If you're discouraged, this is a good thing to know. I am with you, declares the Lord. God was saying to the people, I'm with you. I know it's not easy. I know it's difficult, but I'm with you. Look at this next portion. So the Lord stirred up the spirit. We'll come back to this in a moment. So the Lord stirred up the prophet of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of all the peoples, all these. God is going to stir their spirit. Look at the next part. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. So they had worked on it at one point. They got discouraged, and they stopped, as I mentioned to you, for 14 years. They stopped, and now they're going to come back, and they're going to commence construction again. So what is it that God did? You saw the phrase. I mentioned we'd come back to it. What did God do? God stirred their spirit. He stirred the spirit of the governor and the priest and the people. Now, you may be saying, well, well, what does that mean? God stirred their spirit. Now, if you're a Christian, this has probably happened to you in your life at various times, although you probably did not use or think of that same phrasing, stir the spirit. For you, you felt like maybe God inspired a thought, that you had a thought that was beyond what your normal thinking would be, and God gave you a great thought. God gave you a great plan, a great idea, and God stirred your spirit. This was bigger than you. 
This was something that was on the heart of God, and he happened to want to use you to see it accomplished. So God inspired you with a thought, or maybe God increased your faith to believe, and maybe you're a person that your faith isn't always that strong, but in a particular situation, God stirred your spirit, and maybe in the past you have not had faith to believe, but on this occasion, whatever that occasion was, God stirred your spirit. God gave you the faith to believe him and to trust him in just a massive way, um, in a way that you typically would not. Or maybe what God does is God deposits a passion or a burden into your life. God stirs your spirit. The next portion of verse 14 here in chapter 1 says this, So they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God. Fourteen years it had set. No work being done on the temple. They had thought about it for decades. They started and they stopped, and now they start again. And you're like, Jeff, that is wonderful news, isn't it? The people have gone back to work on this great place of worship, Solomon's temple that had been devastated. They've gone back to work. Construction, restoration, it begins again. Isn't that great? You would think so, but can you imagine this? Can you, if you don't know the story, you're going to be shocked they stopped again one month in they're just one month in and they stop again why discouragement sets in people began to gather around and you're going to see this in a moment but solomon's temple was so impressive it was so prestigious it was so glorious in every way again a jaw dropping you see it you were just like overwhelmed by the beauty and as i mentioned people come from all around to see it and to worship god at Solomon's temple. And now people are gathering around and they're looking at this renovation and restoration project is going on and, and, and they're not impressed. They're not impressed. They're like, wow, this, this isn't great. This, and so they begin to speak to that. It would be maybe like if you decided that you were going to paint the exterior of your house. You're like, you know what? I'm going to save a little money and I'm going to do it myself. Maybe you've never done that before and you start painting the outside of your house and your family gathers around and your friends gather around and your neighbors gather around and they talk out loud repeatedly about what a pathetic job you're doing. Well, you'd probably get discouraged as well, and you'd probably stop, and you'd probably call like a professional painter to finish the job. Well, they are one month in, and, and they stop. They are so discouraged. They're not making progress. People are like, really, is this it? This is pathetic. This is pitiful. And their reaction to this is, we're done. We're, ju- we're just one month in, and they're done. Now, let, let me just say this. It would be very easy for us now, 2,500 years later, to, to just sort of, you know, judge them. And like, you know, uh, why didn't they keep working? God uh, loved them. God had a plan. God even sent his prophet. And it's always easier to judge somebody else than to judge ourselves. In fact, Jesus talked about this. Jesus said, why is it that is so easy? And I'm using an analogy here, phrasing. Jesus is like, why is it so easy to spot the toothpick in somebody else's eye while you can't even see the telephone pole that is in your own eye? 
And so people gathered around, and they weren't doing the work, but they were going to be critical and judgmental of those who were doing the work. And they're like, you know what? That, it's, it's horrible. You guys are doing such a poor job. And, and you know, why did, why did you think that you could uh, start the temple reconstruction? And then they quit. And then they're criticizing that. Like, why did you stop? Why are you so half-hearted? Uh, where's your commitment? And the people just stop. Now, I want to just ask you something because it will help us to not judge others. And again, that's easier to do often than judge ourselves. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever stopped doing something that you knew you should be doing? Let me just say that again. Have you ever, you knew you should be doing something and you stopped doing it? Have you ever quit doing something that you knew you should be doing? I sure have. I've done that. I've just like gotten discouraged and I knew I should be doing something, knew that I should be committed to something. And I just got get discouraged or frustrated or weary or tired. And I just stopped doing, doing that. And I knew I shouldn't, but I did. That's probably happened to you. And if it has, then it helps us to not be so quick to judge other people. Now, uh, I'll use a little sports analogy here. Those of you that know me, you know that I love sports. And we have two sons and a daughter. And the boys were very, very involved in sports. And here was an understanding that we had. Uh, with Brandon Drew, this is their dad who loves sports, and they grew up loving sports. This is what I'd say to them. I would say, listen, I'm never going to force you. I never will. I will never force you to sign up to play any particular sport. But let me just be clear. If you decide you want to sign up and you want to play, you're not going to quit. I'm not going to force you to start, but if you sign up and you start, you're not going to quit. Now, I made one exception with that when Brent was really young. It was first year and wanted to go out for football, and it really wasn't even on a team yet. It was just tryouts, and it was a rainy day. I remember this very well, and we're walking up, and he's got his pads on, and he's a great baseball player, but had never pay, played football, and so we're walking up, and you know, because it's raining, the gra grass is slick, and they're having these tryouts, and uh, man, we hear this loud snap and we hear this scream, tragically, uh, this kid had broken his leg. Uh, Brent looked at me, I looked at him, and he's like, Dad, I don't think I want to do this. And so we turned around and walked back to the car, and in that case, I allowed him to quit and understood. Otherwise, we don't. But have you ever quit something that you started, or, or you knew you should be doing something, but you never got going? Have you ever said something like this? I should do this. I should develop a consistent prayer life. I'm just sort of hit and miss on my prayer life, and I need to get, you know, more. I, I need to be more committed to that. I need to have an ongoing prayer time, not just, you know, hit and miss. I, I need to be consistent in my life. Have you ever said something like this? I need to start helping the poor. I need to serve. I need to give. I need to go where the poor are, and I need to help them. I need to go on a missions trip. I need to support missionaries. Or how about this one? I need to go to church regularly. I need to be, especially when we get ready to go back at live services. I need to go back to church. I need to be there regularly, or in this case, where we're at right now with the pandemic. I need to follow the services regularly. Have you ever had this thought? I need to start tithing. I need to start giving. God has been good to me, and God has met my needs, and I need to be more generous with what God has given to me. Or what about this? I need to start building a relationship uh, with this 
friend, this co-worker who's not in relationship with God. And I know that God loves them. And I know everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. And I want this co-worker to hear about Jesus. I want them to know Jesus for who Jesus really is. And so I'm going to start. Have you ever had that thought? How about this one? I need to start getting out of debt. Somehow I've accumulated too much debt over the years and I need to start getting out of debt. How about this one? I need to start eating healthy. If you ever felt like this, I need to start eating healthy. And we all start every Monday eating healthy. And then by the weekend, we're saying, I need to start eating healthy again this Monday. Uh, or I need to start exercising. I need to lose some weight. I need to get more sleep. Have you ever had that thought? I need to start being a more engaged parent. Or I need to start being a, a Georgia Bulldog fan. I just tossed that one in to see if you were listening. I was just wondering, just in case your mind began to wonder. We know that we should. Follow me here. We know that we should, but we don't. And as a result of that, we become discouraged. Let me say that again in case you missed it. We know that we should, but we don't, and we become discouraged. Why? There's no progress. Why can't I finish anything? Have you ever felt that way? I start so many things, and, you know, it's easier for me to start than it is to finish. And this is just what is going on at the temple. They were fired up. They were motivated to start but a little bit of discouragement, a little bit of opposition, a little bit of negativity, a little bit of uh, calling out about the lack of progress, and they get discouraged and they quit. Um, if you've ever watched the show Shark Tank, a lot of you probably have, there's a guy on there, uh, his name is Damon Johns. And I read a book by Damon John not too long ago, and it, uh, it was more about business and leadership. I, I can't even tell you for certain what uh, Damon John's spiritual life is like, but I love what he said about his mom in this book I read. And I'll just uh, read his statement. In talking about his mom, he said, her good example became mine. Get up early, get up early, work hard, do what you have to do, don't complain, and do it all again the next day. He said, I learned that from my mom. Get up early, work hard, do what you have to do, don't complain, and do it all again the next day. But then he added, he added his own words. He said, today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Just this motivation to stay, even when it's not easy, to stay committed to the responsibility or the task at hand. Well, back in Haggai, God has his prophet ask the people a great question. And let me just tell you about something about God. When God asks a question, God not only knows the question, if you know that he already knows the answer, just sort of wave at me like this. And you'll say, that's, that's crazy. I'm waving, I'm waving at my tablet, my TV. I'm waving at my computer right now. Uh, you see this, in fact, all the time. I was having my own devotional time early this morning, and uh, it, it was one of these phrases you see in the New Testament where it says, and Jesus knowing their thoughts. People aren't even saying it out loud. And Jesus knows their thoughts, and so he answers the question even before it's asked. So God knows the questions, but God already knows the answer. But I want you to look at this back in Haggai. Look at this with me. Haggai, we're now in chapter 2. Look at verse 3. And he asked through the prophet, you know, Haggai is asking on behalf of God, do any of you remember, do any of you remember how great 
the temple was, the Solomon's temple, before it was destroyed. Obviously, a lot of them did. What does it look like now? Doesn't it seem like nothing to you? You remember what it was like? What does it look like now? Must seem like nothing to you. And you would think, wow, you know, if I'm already discouraged, that would add to my discouragement. But actually what is playing out here is God, out of his loving compassion, gets to the root of their discouragement. God, by asking this, gets to the root of their discouragement. If you're watching right now and you're discouraged, there's a root to your discouragement. And this may be shocking because it was true. As I mentioned to you last week, this was actually written. This was actually written 2,500 years ago. This was written 500 years before or about uh, there before Jesus was even born. So uh, what uh, is happening uh, back in Haggai, this Old Testament book, is a long, long time ago. But it's incredibly, incredibly relevant for today. And I'll tell you why. When God asked that question through Haggai the prophet, he was getting to the root of their discouragement. And the root of their discouragement is oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the root of our own discouragement that we deal with in 2020. And that is the root of our discouragement often centers around one of two things, either comparison or lack of progress. Let me say that again, and that may be true in your situation right now, or it may be slightly different, but a lot of times the root of our discouragement flows around either comparison or a lack of progress. Now, let's talk about that for just a moment. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever compare? Do you? Do you ever compare? I think we all do. We compare things. We compare, oh man, look at their house. Look at their car. Look at their job. Look at this great vacation they're taking. Look at their well-behaved kids. Look at their Instagram followers. They have this many. I have that many. And we make comparisons. And that can lend itself to discouragement. I'll give you an example in my own life. Uh, back a few years ago, let's just keep it at that, I was a student at Southeastern University, and uh, I was given everything that I've got. I'm an uh, active, energetic person anyhow, but during those days, <laughs> I was more active and spending more energy than at times I felt like I actually had. So I was going to school, full load of classes, and uh, taking as many possible classes as I could. In addition to that, um, I was working uh, a job at Publix. In addition to that, uh, we already had our first child. Brent was born. And so I was just between being in class, studying for class, writing papers, taking tests, going to work, uh, being with my family. It was, it was, it was a lot. And, I, you know, probably had I not started doing some comparison, I probably would not have gotten discouraged. But let me tell you what I started comparing. I had a friend who lived in the duplex across from ours, he and his wife, and he came from a family that had a lot of money. And that was quite a bit different than the family that I came from. That's why I was, we were staying busy. Well, he didn't have to work, so my friend, uh, he would go to class, never had to work, never had to go to a job, so he would go to class, he would study, 
And then I kid you not, it seemed like every time that I felt the tiredest, when I'd come dragging my backside home, uh, you know, I'd look out and I would see my friend who, who didn't have to keep the same pace because he came from a family that had a lot of money. And I kid you not, it seemed like every time I felt the lowest or the most discouraged or the most tired, he would be out in his lawn chair soaking up the rays, working on his tan. So all he had to do um, you know, he wasn't trying to parent a child. He wasn't having to work a job. He wasn't. And so I just started comparing his situation to mine. And oh man, there were some days that I really, really struggled at because he had all this time to study. He would, he would remind me from time to time the grades that he was making in his class that a lot of times were better than the grades I was making in mine. In fact, I've been recently researching, sort of a side note, recently researching a new Bible software program. And I was talking to a guy about that a few days ago and asking about the program that they offer. It's widely known and just, you know, I had some specific questions and he's helping me to navigate through what software would be best for me. And then he asked me this question. I'm on the phone and he asked me this question. He said, what to help me to know what I need to make available to you? He said, do you read in Greek, do you read Hebrew? And I said back to him, dude, I'm still working real hard on English. I'm telling you this, you know, no, I, I don't. I like it. I have an appreciation for the language. Try to read, but no, I can't pick, pick up a Greek text or Hebrew. And so sort of guided us. So my friend, he was making these great grades. As long as I wasn't comparing, I was okay. But a lot of times when we compare and we all do this, it's easy for it to, to begin to build some encouragement within, some discouragement, I should say, within our life. Now, let me take you back to a verse. You just saw the question a moment ago on the screen. Do, do any of you remember how great Solomon's temple was before it was destroyed? And their response is, oh, yeah, a lot of them did. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And that's why they're discouraging. That's why they're criticizing what has been going on. They're like, yes, we remember Solomon's incredible temple, but this little restoration project these guys have going on is pathetic by comparison. The people hear this. They're discouraged. People working. They're discouraged. That's why they quit. People are discouraged as to what it looks like. See, a mind of comparison Please be sure you get this, a mind of comparison. Well, if I just had their job, if I just had their money, if I just lived in their home, if I just had their situation, if I was just blessed, if this were my background, if this is the way that I would grew up, grew up a mindset of comparison leads to discouragement, but so does, let me just add another thing, but so does, and I mentioned this a moment ago, so does a lack of progress. Doesn't it, the temple they're talking about, seem like nothing to you? And the people are like, what have you fellas been up to? What have you been busy doing? Or in this case, a lack of doing. And I just want to speak to this moment before we, we move on. See, a, a lack of progress can show up in many different areas of our life. You're like, man, if it's not comparison, you know, I don't have this and they've got that or their situation is better or mine's so much worse. If it's not comparison, which again leads to discouragement, then it's lack of progress. Because a lot of times you may feel that you wish you were at a certain place, but you're not. And that lends. I wish, you know, lack of progress. I wish that I was, as I talked about recently, I wish I was further down the road spiritually. I, I wish that I was a better Christian. 
I wish I did struggle with this sin. I wish I wasn't still doing battle with this addiction. I wish that I was, you know, whatever in my spiritual life. I wish that it were better. Or we, or we have a lack of progress in relationships. Uh, you know, I wish that I, I had more friends. Or I wish that this relationship were better. I wish, or financially, I wish that I had been better with my money. Lack of progress. I wish I had saved more. I wish I had invested more. I wish I had spent less. What about our career, our education? I just, you're discouraged, lack of progress. I joined this company and I had, you know, high ambitions that, you know, I just grow with this company. And it seems like every time there's an opening and I apply for it and I'm qualified, I feel for it, somebody else gets the job. And I don't feel like I'm progressing. I don't feel like I'm on a fast track in terms of my career or my vocation or health or fitness. You know, I, I thought that I would be more healthy. I thought that I would be more fit. Have you ever felt like this? I thought that I'd be making more progress. Here I am. I feel like I'm eating kale and tree bark all the time, and I step on the scale, and I've gained two pounds. I mean, lack of progress in your life. Wow, I thought I would have lost, and I didn't lose. I gained. It's so easy to become discouraged, and we're like, God, what do we do? Where do we go? Why am I stuck here? You've got to see this next verse. All right, look at this. Back to chapter 2. Look at verse 4. But now the Lord says, this is God going to speak into their discouragement. But now the Lord says, you're going to see this phrase three times right here. Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I want to pause right here. God is speaking into their discouragement. You can't miss this. And God primarily has two things that he's saying through Haggai to the people. He's saying, be strong. And it's repeated. And then he's saying, get to work. That is God's reply to their discouragement. This is the answer from God in relation to what they feel going on in their life. And he, and he says through Haggai what God is saying to us right here, right now. If you're discouraged, now we're not talking about people from 2,500 years ago. Now we're talking about you. And if you're feeling discouraged, God is saying to you right now what he said to them 2,500 years ago. He's saying, be strong. And you're saying, but I don't feel strong. Well, good news is it's not about your strength anyhow. It's not. You're saying, well, you know, I'm discouraged, and I hear that, I see that, be strong, but I, I'm not feeling too strong. Well, listen, here's the beauty of being in relationship with Jesus. You don't have to exercise your own strength. You can allow the strength of God to be manifested in your weakness. The Bible says where we are weak, God is going to be strong in us. The Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You have a power that is residing in you that far exceeds your own power. It's not about your willpower. It's about God's power. It's that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that the Bible says now dwells in you as a believer. It is not about your strength. When God says to you, I know you're discouraged, be strong. He's not talking about you by yourself. He's talking about his strength being in you. And he says to you right now, whoever you are, whatever you're faced with, whatever you're going through, whatever has you discouraged, He's saying to you, be strong. But he also has another word for you, and it's this. Get to work. Get to work. Place another stone. That's what he said to the people. Go back. Uh, rebuild. Restore. Put down a stone, all right? 
put down another stone and do it again and again consistently. Can I say this to you? Consistently do the right thing even if you're met with difficulty. Consistently do the right thing even if it's not easy. Keep doing the last thing that God told you to do. Can I say that again? Keep doing the last thing that God told you to do. When God tells you to do something else, then do something else. But keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep obeying. Keep believing. What can be gained by quitting? Be strong. And just keep doing what you sense that God wants you to do. And you may be like, Jeff, I hear you, I hear you, but you don't understand. I'm weary. I'm tired. You know how you got tired of looking at your friend when you were coming in after work in class and he's working on his tan and you're dragging your backside into that duplex again. You know, but you just keep putting stone. You just keep doing. You're tired. You're weary. Maybe you're feeling, well, my situation right now is I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm worn out, I've been grinded down. I want to show you a verse. This is out of the New Testament. This is Paul in Galatians, and he says, let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. And it's going back to having God's strength in us. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Look at this phrase. If we do not give up, you're not going to reap the best that God has for you if you quit. Let us not become weary in doing the right thing because we're going to reap at the right time. Oh, man, I look at the clock that I have here, the guys have here for me, and where has our time gone? Maybe it feels like for you, you've been there a long time, I feel like I just got started. But I've got one more verse, and you've got to see this verse. It's incredible. And after I comment on it for a moment or two, we'll wrap up in prayer. But you've got to see this verse. Look, back to Haggai, chapter 2. Look at verse 9, the A part. Now God says to his prophet, The glory of this present house, this is like Zerubbabel's temple, will be greater than, look at this, the the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Solomon's temple says the Lord Almighty. And people are like, no way, not a chance. There's no way that this temple will ever compare to the glory. No way. This temple could never compare to Solomon's temple. But they have no idea what God is up to. No idea what God has planned. They have no, they can't, can I just say it this way? They can't even imagine what God is up to. And I want to briefly explain because I'm about out of time. See, if you lived in the days of the Old Testament, here's what happened. All right? In the days of the Old Testament, here's what you would have to do. You would have to make your way to the temple to offer the sacrifice. And you read about that in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system. And, you know, they'd bring their sacrifice to the temple. You made your way to the temple. You brought your sacrifice to the temple in order to meet with and experience God. Now, here's how it is in the New Testament. In the New Testament, God so badly wants to meet with us that what he did is he came down to us, he sent Jesus down to us, and he offered the sacrifice, his own son, who died on a cross for us. And why did God do that? God did that because God, it really matters to God that he has a relationship with us. So much so, God didn't wait for us to come to him with our sacrifice. God came to us with his sacrifice, his own son, Jesus. Furthermore, If you're a Christian, this is what the New Testament teaches, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, 
that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you as a believer. That verse I just mentioned, it wasn't on the screen, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it's the same power that dwells in your life. Why? You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that changes everything because now you're not alone. So don't be discouraged, child of the living God, follower of Jesus, disciple of Jesus. You be strong. You be strong. And you keep doing what God's asked you to do. Well, we're out of time. We'll pick up next week. And I hope you will be here. Whatever you do, don't miss next week. Now, let me take just a moment. I want to speak to those of you that are not yet Christians. That's how much God loves you. In the Old Testament, if you lived in the time of the Old Testament, you went to the temple, you offered the sacrifice because you maybe had it in your heart to meet with and experience God. But God loves you so much that God came down in the person of Jesus. And Jesus offered the sacrifice, died on the cross for all of your sins and all of my sins. And that's a lot of sins and the sins of the whole world because he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. So here's what I want you to do. If you're like saying, you're ready to say yes to Jesus, you're ready to say, I need his grace, I need his mercy, I need his forgiveness. And you may be wondering, would God accept me? Yes, it will, because of the sacrifice of his own son. But Jeff, you don't understand what I've done. I don't have to. But Jeff, you don't understand how long I've done it. I don't have to. You come. The Bible says, if we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he... He wipes the slate clean, a do-over, a mulligan. He gives us a clean slate, and he'll do that for you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you right now for every person that is in their own heart and their own mind right now saying, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new beginning. Lord, your word even says that. If we're in Christ, old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. And I pray that you'll give them new life, a new beginning, that they'll receive you into their heart. And just say that, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, give me a new start. And with your help, I'll follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, you gave your life to Jesus, or you rededicated your heart to Christ, would you let me know? Would you let me know? That'd be so encouraging to know that you said yes to Jesus and gave your heart to him. Hey, I love all of you guys. Thank you for being with us today. Whatever you do, don't miss next week, last week, part three from Haggai. Have a great week. God bless.